I'm Richard Dodd, and you're listening to the Ecology Academy podcast. This is a show where we get to talk and learn about all things ecological, including interviews with top ecologists, both employers and employees, those working with ecologists, and also aspiring and inspiring career-seeking individuals setting out to make a difference. The show aims to provide you with insights, advice, and inspiration to help you succeed and excel as an effective ecologist and to make a real difference to our natural environment. Today I'm speaking with Faye Clifton, who works for Green and Blue, a design company based in the beautiful seaside town of Perrinporf in Cornwall that ultimately wants to make a difference and a positive impact for wildlife. So Faye, welcome to the Ecology Academy podcast. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me on. Not a problem. How, 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 how warm or how cool is it in Cornwall at the moment? It is definitely finally much cooler mm. than it has been. It's yeah. beginning to feel a little bit more seasonally appropriate. But I did have a dip in the sea this morning, so it's still dippable. Oh, <laughs> oh so jealous. So jealous. We are, we're in landlocked Gloucestershire. So, um, oh. uh, so uh, you know, we don't, don't, the only time I get to go into the coast is absolutely right you now if I go down to Cornwall or. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, or or, or um, South, you know, South Wales, sort of Pembrokeshire area. So uh, that's uh, that's Good our way. that's our area of uh, sort of um, first calling for the sea. Yeah, <laughs> so we do feel very lucky. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I do, I do like Perrinporf as well. So I've been been there a few times. Oh. Uh, anyway, we could talk about Cornwall all day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just wanted to uh, well, first of all, welcome. And um, before we start, sort of the you know the hard, the hard grilling questions, uh, Faye. Uh, of um of, of green and blue and yourself we like to sort of um, delve into sort of um the mindset of people um who come onto this podcast with some very tricky questions um and now you've had zero preparation time so um based off on that are you are you ready to carry on okay ready to give it a go okay so the first one is a default question we ask all our guests on the podcast is habitats species or ecosystems Wowzers. Uh, habitats. Good one. Okay. So, okay. Terrestrial, freshwater, or marine? Marine. Marine. I mean, basically, I mean, I didn't want to prejudge anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave it there. That's a good one, though. That's a good one. Um, secondly, um, dream holiday destination. Oh, it's hard to think about holidays after the couple of years we've had. It I've is. learned to sort of be very grateful for where I am. Yeah. Um, and the whole sort of not traveling and climate fear and all of that starts to make holidays less and less appealing. But probably Portugal, if pushed. Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. OK. And what would you do in Portugal? How would you get there? You could say how you got there or, um, you know, I'd this is a, dr- in a van. Yeah. I'd get there in the van loaded with surfboards, skateboards, and nice outside cooking stuff. And I'd do a lot of sea activity, surfing, beers by the sea, yeah, and cooking on an open fire under the stars. Oh, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> That's it. Good, doesn't it? It does, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, thirdly, um, bees, birds, or bats? Bats. 
can I have all three? <laughs> you, you can eventually, but which I one? I look after all three. You do, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it makes it such a tricky question, you see. Yeah. It is, but maybe birds. Okay, I had to push. Don't, doesn't mean that the other two are bad. <laughs> just means that one's got slight edge over the. It's like having a favourite brother or sister or a yeah, nephew, niece. Yeah, but... <laughs> that's it. If, they're all lovely. They're all lovely. Uh, and finally, and finally, uh, what one thing would you like to achieve in 2022? Ooh, I would like to look both on a personal level and a business level at really nailing measuring our carbon footprint and reduction it's one of those areas that i'm sort of really determined to get to the bottom of but there's so many different elements to it that i really want to 100 percent understand it and be able to declare net zero ambitions but really understanding how yeah yeah Okay, that's a, that's a really good, really good one. And actually, that probably leads us straight into, um, I mean, um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about yourself and your journey into Green and Blue, but also focus upon, you know, what Green and Blue do, where it's evolved, how, how it's, sorry, how it's evolved, uh, and also the fact that, obviously, uh, Green and Blue and um, another company I work for, Wildwood Ecology, we share one thing in common, I'm sure we share many things in common, that, but that's the, we are both certified B corporations. Indeed, yes. Yeah, so that's sustainability, that, that last thing then, that just that, that feeds into sort of um, one of the sort of um, objectives of being a B Corp, is, is, is that right? Or Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, as you know, sort of being a certified B Corp is a real mark of your sort of commitment to sustainability and to putting planet before profit, but not worrying about or not being embarrassed about profit because yeah. profit helps you do more good. So it just sort of, I think it's a mark of how you look at the world and the sort of impact you try and make. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, we'll, we'll definitely touch upon the, the B Corp um, elements of that. Um, but um, yeah, so obviously I've introduced you as working for uh, Green and Blue, but tell us a little about um, um, your role, uh, but, and also your journey to that role, if, you, if that's okay, Faye. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me and myself, I come from a sort of marketing and storytelling background, um, have grown up in Cornwall and have always been really connected to the natural world. Um, I worked for my sister's company for many years. She's a textile designer here in Cornwall. So I sort of worked with her as she grew her business um, and just sort of started to sort of feel like I needed to step out and do my own thing, which is when I came across Green and Blue back in 2014. Um, I knew Gavin and Kate, who are our founders. Um, I'd met them at design shows and things. Um, and it just sort of fell into place that they were looking to sort of put a bit more focus into the business, change their direction a bit. Mm -hmm. And um, it was on my doorstep where I live in Perrinporth. So I joined the team in 2014. And that year we won the Soil Association Innovation Award for the B-Brick. Um, and really from there, we've sort of worked, Kate, Gavin and I sort of really closely together at um, sort of taking the business forward, becoming more focused on our mission. Um, Sort of we had quite a broad product range when i joined the team in 2014 and then um, we sort of stripped it back to really focus on our commitment to making homes havens for wildlife yeah so we um yeah really focused on our range of products for 
for wildlife. So my role today is I'm the one of the directors at Green and Blue and I'm our head of growth. So I look after our sort of day-to-day -day running, but then also our sort of storytelling and kind of our our outward presentation. Okay. Yeah. So well, tell me about that, you know, about the storytelling. So in terms of them, sort of the backstories then to Green and Blue. So you mentioned that um, Gavin and Kate were the, the, the co-founders of the company. So um, for for anyone, obviously, for our listeners, um, just tell us a little bit about that story itself, how it came to, you know, how, how Green and Blue sort of came into sort of um, in, in production themselves, into, into in being set up as a company. Absolutely. Well, Gavin and Kate met um, working at Dyson and um, and married and both working there in sort of quite a corporate world, um, sort of lots of traveling, lots of busyness, lots of looking at the way Dyson started to offshore. Um, and they both love nature. Kate in particular is a sort of avid bird watcher, loves wildlife and um, so back in many, many years ago, the sort of early 2000s, they came up with the design for Bird Ball, which is a spherical nesting um, site for garden birds. And they sort of took this little prototype along to Stoke-on-Trent, worked with um, a potter to make these first bird balls, and they kind of knew they had something. So they ended up sort of leaving their roles, moving down to Cornwall, which has always been a dream of theirs. Mm -hmm and starting Green and Blue. So that was in 2004, we launched with the Bird Ball Birdhouse. And it's grown from there, basically. Yeah, what were those early years? I mean, um, you joined in 2014, you say, uh, yourself? Uh, I joined in 2014, they started the business in 2004. Yeah, what was so, um, what was sort of, the, you know, those 10 years then, um, how was that developed in terms of the, you know, building green and blue. And you said there's a wide range of products that they um, had in the early days. So I, I presume then it was a sort of narrowing focus upon some core products. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Um, I mean, Gavin is a, a designer and a maker and a tinkerer and an engineer. And he loves to sort of <laughs> to create, basically. Yeah. So a lot of that 10 years was workshop based. It was Gavin experimenting and creating and both him and Kate come from a design background. So there were a collection of beautiful products, really well considered, really beautifully sourced. So they had things like cork bike grips that were sustainably sourced in Portugal, look beautiful and elegant on a bike. People still contact us today to ask about the uh, cork grips. <laughs> wow. So they had things like that, beautiful sandcastle bowls, but quite an eclectic range so it was quite sort of product and design driven mm -hmm. but alongside that they had the the bird ball bird house and our range of bird feeders um and gavin in about 2012 i think started working on this idea um for the bee brick and it was kind of looking at the world around us looking at challenges and gavin's very much about solving problems with design and so you could see that solitary bees had lost habitat because the way we build is so much more sort of finished we don't have little holes and little cavities in the same way we used to we don't have so much natural habitat for them in the same way we cut our gardens very neat very tidy um, and so he came up with the idea of bee brick which is a nesting site for solitary bees that can actually be integrated into buildings yeah. and i think with that product there was a real kind of 
I mean, it took two years of development and that, as I said, was around when I joined the team in 2014. But when we sort of, when I joined them and we started to look at the product range, it became very clear that actually our core range was the wildlife products. And actually the bit that we got excited about, that we were passionate about was the wildlife products. Yeah. So that's when we sort of started to strip everything else back and focus on our purpose. On your purpose, right. Okay. And you mentioned about, um, you know, the prototypes up in, in Staffordshire in terms of uh, pottery, but um, they, they, they've evolved now, haven't they? So what, what, um, what, what are, you know, the, the composite materials that are used within your products then? So in terms of our ceramic range, we still work with the same potters in Stoke that we've okay. worked with since the business started, mm. which is really lovely in terms of longevity of relationships. So all of our ceramic range, our bird feeders and our bird houses are made in Stoke and also just outside Nottinghamshire. Then our range of like more integrated nesting sites like the bee brick, our bat blocks, our swift blocks are all made by can't talk all made by our team down here in Cornwall mm -hmm. and they're made from concrete but obviously concrete has some awful um climatic effects um one of the biggest producers of co2 one of the reasons we used concrete is because we didn't want to kind of be talking to builders and asking them already to do something a bit funny you know can you put this home for bees in your house and can you do it in this strange material that you've never heard of yeah and that there's not much background about how well it works for wildlife species so concrete felt like it made sense but we also wanted to kind of mitigate for the fact that we use concrete so within our mix we use 75 percent recycled material from the cornish china clay industry so it's from quarries just up the road from us um and that for us helps to mitigate against that use of concrete and then we're sort of keeping an eye on material developments as well to see if there is a viable alternative at some stage. And, and that material from you know, the, the, you know, the China clay, that's a waste product as well, isn't it, I, I believe? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, mm. the figures around how much waste there is, I should have them to hand because they're fascinating figures, but there's so much waste produced for each bit of China clay that comes out yeah. that it's a waste material. Mm. So for mm. us to be able to use that, and recreate that into Habitat for Wildlife just feels like a very nice circularity. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, I, we are, I'm very fortunate to have some of your bee bricks. And, um, you know, there are, as you say, that just a, it's a, just a fantastic, just a lovely design, you know. And uh, not only is it lovely design, they work. <laughs> that's, that's probably equally as important. hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah. it is something that I love is that you... I guess what we try and do to an extent is make nature appealing to people mm. who didn't realize that they were appeal like who don't think they're coming in at the nature point if that makes sense yeah. they fall in love because it looks beautiful and then actually it's a home for wildlife as well and it's have this considered and this considered and the company are b corp certified and part of my spend goes to doing something good and so we like to have sort of lots of layers stripping away from each product. Yeah. So um, on that front then, so um, aesthetics is, is is probably a high priority for yourselves then. So, you know, you're, you're, you know it's for your your core range and, you know, any, anything you develop. So, um, yeah, talk us through that. So so what, what's what sort of are these sort of um, main points that people are sort of um, looking for within one of your products then? 
So I think, I think, as you say, aesthetics are a huge part. We are a design company. Gavin and Kate both come from a design background. So when you look at something like the bee brick, every element of that design has been agonised over. And I mean, I won't tell you the conversations that Gavin and Kate can have about a font size or <laughs> where a line's going to yeah. go. And I'm not necessarily design in the same way as them. So I'll just sit and go, wow. <laughs> they can agonize over things like that but it leads you to a product that looks beautiful that appeals to architects yeah. that appeals to homeowners um it's all about very clean simple fairly brutalist um design but there's also been really considered from the species point of view yeah and i think, I think from um an implementer's point of view that no, when an ecologist like ourselves you know we recommend products um obviously it's the standard you know these bat boxes and um you know bird, bird boxes and so forth and looking at the materials and there's a okay there's 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 a sort of wide range of um of boxes out there but they are as you, you know if you asked a, if you asked one of our clients you know you know whether they would which design they would prefer they probably wouldn't prefer you know whether they wouldn't wouldn't sort of choose voluntarily um, some of these designs, really. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So it's sort of forced upon them. So when you have a choice like yourselves, I think that it makes it sort of a, makes it easier sell to um, a member of the public. So we should, should we say a homeowner? I think that's definitely one of the things we felt. You sort of you want people to do these things mm. because they make a massive difference. But then someone's designing this beautiful house, and you're asking them to put something really ugly in. Yeah they're going to be a bit more reluctant aren't they so that was one of our passions was can we make it beautiful so that you're proud to kind of put this in it's a real feature okay great and, and so look, we're on to 2014 now you've got your your bee brick in, in place there so just yeah just talk to us really about um green and blue so you know its journey um so i've been fascinated to know obviously the name green and blue so where does that come from so it comes from gavin's i Gavin's childhood memories of holidays in Cornwall. So he's always had a real connection to the county and his kind of memories are of driving down. They used to bundle in his granddad's Land Rover. And um, he just has these memories of these rolling green hills and these clear blue skies. And I think, yeah, green and blue for him just kind of summarizes those memories. And actually it feels perfect for us. You know, we're passionate about our green spaces and beautiful green trees and green wildlife and we're passionate about the sea and the sky and so it kind of feels like the perfect name really yeah yeah no no i'd say yeah it's it's seriously just just i think it just sums it up in just a, a perfect name there yeah <laughs> so um in terms of your team then so green and blue um you mentioned gavin and kate and um, so um who else are involved with the design making and shipping and and the whole host of sort of business activities within Green and Blue. Yes, yeah, so we've got, um, yeah, one of the things I'm proudest of is our little team. We've got um, 10 of us involved and that's in a variety of roles. I guess when we sort of started um, to grow a little bit and making more things like the concrete range, we had a bit of a split really of we could go to a concrete factory and we could ask, could you make these products for us? or we could take on that manufacturing and grow our team that way. And um, 
for us, we quite like control. We're very proud that everything's made in the UK. Um, and so we went down the route of kind of growing our team to do the manufacturing yeah. ourselves. So we've got Chris and Charlie and Elliot and Annie who are on our making team. They're sort of mixing the concrete every day, filling the molds, demolding, fixing, doing all the sort of elements that go with the concrete. Um, we've got Gavin who's sort of coming up with the products, designs, tweaking, mold making, keeping an eye on how things are going. Uh, we've got Al, who's our head of making. So he's kind of supporting the team on that side, just keeping everything ticking over. Um, and then we've got Sophie, who puts all of our products together, boxes yeah. everything. And then we've got Alice and Annie sometimes packing up orders and getting those shipped out. Gosh, right. Yeah, so it is, I just say, I think... It, Choosing the right team is important, um, I imagine, to yourselves then. Um, so, right people. So, that that, that learning journey then. So, I've, I, mean, I imagine, you know, you've uh, never made products out of concrete yourselves before. So, was that something that, uh, as you say, you know, you're sort of um, keeping it in-house. How was that learning experience then? So, um, was it trial and error? Or, yeah. How is that learning experience? How is it? It's still on go course, yeah. Every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the process itself evolves a lot. You get things like um, climatic changes. So as soon as the weather drops, the concrete takes longer um, to sort of set. You have to sort of put the heat cabinet on a little bit overnight. There's a, there's a bit of um, alchemy and magic to the whole process in a way. Like every product that leaves here yeah. has been handmade, has been touched by various people through the process. And that's something I love about what we do is mm. it's, yeah, it's coming from, from hands and from hard labor. Um, there's definitely, yeah, we're learning all the time. We're sort of tweaking our mold design so that we can get things out better. I mean, at the moment we've had to pause production of our bird bath, um, our bird bath product, because actually we were finding, we've got like a bubble that's coming out on every product. So we were getting a high fail rate, yeah. which, it's a shame. So we're kind of going back to the drawing board, looking at what might be going wrong there. So we're learning all the time, but we're learning that knowledge in house with our people, um, which is great. Yeah. And in terms of the take up then for the products, then so um, you, I mean, who do you who do you sell to, and who would you like to sell to <laughs> the products? <laughs> to? Uh, and um, how has that process been driven, really? So, I mean, on a very sort of top level we have three main markets we sell to individuals so that's via our website and that could be as gift items yeah. i mean something like the bee brick looks just beautiful stood in the garden mm. as well as the fact that you can build with it with christmas coming it up uh, it's a great sort of gift item um so there's the gift side of things individuals sort of building their houses um, then we also sell wholesale so that's to shops and galleries and museums across the country um we sell to places like Kew Gardens, the Eden Project, some brilliant um, yeah, shops and museums. We've just started selling to the Natural History Museum, which right. is mm -hmm. pretty awesome. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also sell to what we call our commercial market. So that is to builders and developers. Um, and that's the side where we see sort of more growth coming from. There's more planning stipulations saying that you need to put in habitat for bats, for swifts. Places like Hove Council, Cornwall Council actually stipulate you need to put a bee brick in. Yeah. Um, so that side of things is sort of growing and that's 
where we feel like we can make the most difference and create the most habitat. And what's the feedback been like then from, say, from the 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 the, the home builders then? So um, um, yeah, has it been extremely welcomed or has there been obviously onwards discussion, shall we say, um, in terms of the it's products? A really, it's a really interesting point. It is mixed. Yeah. I think um, we have maybe 40% come to us because they want to do it. Yeah. And they're excited about doing it. We have maybe 40% who are ticking a box. Um, and I've forgotten what I was going to say about what the other 20% are. <laughs> yeah, indifferent, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, that's probably true. I mean, some people, you have a conversation. And I think where I sort of said about telling stories, when you can mm. engage them in like the fact that Swifts, are on the wing for the entire time until they actually nest. So this box is the one place after yeah. them flying for thousands of miles that they will stop and they will nest and they will create the next population. People can't help but be affected by that, but you just need that sort of time to tell that story and to get them excited about habitat and what it means. Sure, sure. Okay, so, um, you know, that's, that's very interesting because, you, know, uh, you know, we... As ecologists, I'm talking about ecologists now. So you obviously you engage yeah. with um, ecologists uh, as well. So uh, how, how, have they been? You know, do people feed into the design process, or is that very much led by Green and Blue themselves? So in terms of the design process of the products, we've worked with with our bat block. We worked with a local sort of bat expert and ecologist. So we really kind of he fed into the design elements in fact the measurement we've got on our bat block is called steve's thumb <laughs> and that was from working with him um and then with our swift block we've worked with um edward from swift conservation so we're not wildlife experts primarily we are about design and about producing what we're hearing people need mm. um we also work with the Bat Conservation Trust as part of we're part of their Roost partnership. So again, they're kind of giving us information about what's what's needed. Um, and so, in terms of ecologists, we're definitely talking to more and more ecologists because I think historically there's only been maybe one or two options on the market yeah. for products for bats and for swifts and then with the effect of things like brexit and stuff like that people are looking for more mm. alternatives and our range is becoming more visible and more of a i suppose a stable if you can use that word stable supply chain really as well that's yeah. that's that's reliable because that you know absolutely right you know that's um you know we we've recommended you know other products obviously um but you know when there is a when, when we recommend a product and it's difficult or actually impossible to source, it's sort of, you know, we, we don't know, sometimes that's, um, you know, we don't understand the full sort of supply chain route, you know, how yeah. these products are, where they're manufactured, uh, how they're actually uh, distributed you know, and, you know, brought to the UK from outside, you know, places, you know, like Germany and um, other places across Europe mm -hmm. or if even further afield. And obviously adds miles um, to, yeah. um, you know, the carbon footprint to these products really. Absolutely. And I think like you said about supply chain issues and it's you go through so many hurdles, you know, to get a stipulation that this home for bats or yeah. for swifts has to go into this building. And then they're eight months away from getting the product and they don't make it in like what what yeah. an absolute 
disaster that everything's like happened to get to that stage and then the product doesn't arrive and yeah. it doesn't happen so then the wildlife species are losing out because of supply chain issues so yeah we're trying to sort of shut that gap wonderful yeah because i i can you know we certainly see that it is uh, an issue that um, you know we fought hard to actually get some of these designs into uh, 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 a design scheme and then only, you know, then only to be told, actually, we're having problems sourcing these. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, unfortunately, it puts the species as the problem um, when actually yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a wider issue than that, uh, a much wider yeah. issue. Yeah. So in terms of um, um, yeah, proving that these products work then, so, you know, you work with designers, as you say, and, and so case studies then, how important is that to you to actually demonstrate to these home builders and to others that actually your products not only look fantastic, but actually work? Absolutely. I mean, case studies is, for us, is the sort of biggest area of focus sort of now. So part of working with the Bat Conservation Trust and the Roost Partnership is about studying is about measuring because you don't want to sort of just be doing things and not know this the whole area of um sort of man-made habitat is still relatively new and it is still relatively unstudied so we're kind of looking at working with various partners to build out some some much larger citizen science case studies to start to really understand those measurements because also if you've suddenly got four case studies showing the uptake of bats, the uptake of swifts, the uptake of solitary bees, well, then we don't need to do um, yeah. much of a job anymore because the stories tell themselves and then why wouldn't you? So yeah, for us, the case studies is a really sort of big focus. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's it. Cause, you know, it's just approving the, 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 the concept really. And and then I mean I mean obviously it would be an ideal sort of scenario that then it becomes the in one way the default um, sort of um, go to option then isn't it really that um, actually we know these work we don't have to think about it too much you know and that, that's sort of complacent well I say complacency in in, in with, when it was a limited market um, it's going well actually this product we know we know it works because of x amount of trials. Um, but now there are clearly resource issues, you know, with with some of these, so, you know, the previous models, really. Um, so, yeah. It, oh, yeah, interesting. So, uh, you know, we mentioned about you know bees, uh, you know bees, birds, and also in this, you know, including swifts. Obviously, use swift boxes uh, their design. Um, what else are is green and blue working on at the moment? I mean, is it um, you know different designs of those or um, any any other species we should be looking out for? Um, so we are launching new habitat for sparrows in the new year. Um, there's things like sparrow terraces on the market already, but actually sort of um, experts that we've had conversations with, it seems to be becoming more and more apparent that sparrow terraces mm -hmm. aren't the best habitat for them. And actually they're quite territorial. So you have these sort of multiple habitats in a row and they're not being used in that way. So we're working on a slight alternative to those which we are hoping to launch in the spring of 2022. Um, I shall make sure we update you on that as yeah. soon as there's more info. And there's some sort of some additional habitats being created within that, um, which again, we'll be able to sort of talk more about in the new year. Um, and then we are, I guess, partly as well, looking at um, alternative material choices, mm trying to keep abreast of the way that buildings changing, obviously block and brick aren't as 
common potentially as they have been things are sort of moving on so how can we keep up to date with that and then basically i mean our mission is to make homes havens for wildlife so what species can we cohabit with yeah. what else can we make habitat for and that's where our focus is so i guess yeah watch this space watch mistakes. yeah indeed <laughs> indeed and uh, um i'd also like to ask a question now um regarding i mean we touched on it right at the start of the the, the recording and that is your B certification, B Corporation certification. So could you, just, how important is that to Green and Blue? And how was the process, you know, getting, getting, you know, get, uh, gaining certification and not only gaining certification, you know, as, uh, but it actually living up to that um, sort of, um, I would say status, but I mean, we're not talking about status, but in terms of um, uh, expectations of a B Corporation, should we say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we certified in November 2018. So we've actually just had our first sort of recertification um, this year. And it's a funny one. I think we're really, really proud to be a certified B Corp. And I think it gives us a sort of a framework as we grow for how we do that growth. It makes us think about things we might not have thought about otherwise. And it gives us access to a network of like-minded companies and individuals mm-hmm. so sort of a closer connection with people like yourself because we're both b corps you suddenly have this this connection almost um but at the same time it's not our everything yeah. as a business we are a purpose-driven business so i think when i talked earlier about layers for us b corps one of those layers and it is a very transparent mark to the outward facing person that you can trust us but actually it's a mark but it goes so much deeper our sort of commitment to to people and planet i think you're right i think uh you know as you say it is a layer because it's one of these things that you know you still i mean this is not doing b corporation any disservice at all but you'd still be the same company Without exactly. that certification, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. it's just, as you say, it's an extra layer. So for some people who would see it as a badge, it's clearly the yeah. wrong choice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is just an extra true. layer. Yeah. yeah, and I think, yeah, that is so true. Um, you know, when you go through the certificate, certification process, it, it is a bit of a one-size-fits-all because... It has to fit so many different industries. And so it's kind of, it's what you do with it that counts, I think. And um, yeah, it's another layer and one that we're very proud of. But we, 100%, as you said, we would be doing the things we do regardless. Yeah, I I know. I think when when we went through the process, you know, it was, it was, it was, it's, for those who are thinking about it, it it is a very rigorous process. It makes you think about everything you do you know right from you know the people you know how you hire how you manage people but also your suppliers um the governance of the coal company you know shareholders and, and all that aspect to it um and working towards the sustainable development goals isn't it i think that's um yeah. you know it just makes you, th- you know, think a little bit more so it's it's great that you know we think of these extra things so it, it has promoted changes within our company um yeah. You know, just I think just just sort of bring those light bulb moments to you. But actually, we can yeah. improve um, in 
it just even small changes will make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, I think even just being sort of within the network of B Corp, you hear about things like the Better Business Act. Yeah. You're regularly exposed to sort of the declarations of net zero. You're thinking about things like your business banking and where you invest your pension. And it's stuff that you just might might not be on your radar in the same way. Yeah. If you weren't sort of within that network and thinking that way. It, yeah. And I think if, if some companies took a little bit more of a, um, you know, that's a similar approach, whether they go before B certification or, or not, um, it, it's it's the process of actually thinking about everything you do, every single layer, you know, the laptop yeah. you're using, the, the phones, you, your mobile phones you're using, the, con, the mobile phone contracts you're using, um, the bank you're with. It's, it's absolutely every single layer, you know, has an impact. Yeah. You know, our conversation today will have an impact. You know yeah. the 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 the, uh, the emails sent out. They all have an impact. You know where are your servers? Oh, we can talk about that. <laughs> but, yeah, I know, I know. And so it, you I, can tie yourself up in knots, can't you? You can. And I think that's um, one area where I think you know we're seeing a little bit more of sort of. Um, I suppose it's um, um, you know, um, this anxiety. So it's the eco anxiety, isn't it? You know that once you become aware, you can't ignore it. No. No, it's a tough, um, yeah, I think climate anxiety, eco-anxiety is yeah. definitely a thing. And the more aware you become, uh, this was one of the conversations actually we had a B Corp social here in Cornwall recently. And that was kind of the resounding point was the more the people who are doing the most are the more guilty or feeling the worst about how much they're doing or how little they're doing. It's a sort of funny thing that when you're aware of how much you can do yeah you feel guilty all the time that's it because i mean it's it's i i think how we'd like to see is it's working progress you know and but that yeah. progress needs to be you know um expediated we know we, we need to make sure that we are pushing all the time towards them um, you know a, a greater level of sustainability and um yeah it goes back to your you know making that difference making a difference a positive impact for the environment for wildlife yeah absolutely and and having conversations like this and if one person listens to this and decides to look at b corp certification or change their business banking then you've had an impact haven't yeah. you so yeah where can we where can we share those voices and have those impacts and do little bits ourselves absolutely great great well in terms of i mean just starting to sort of wrap a few things up then faye um what's what's green and blue is i mean you mentioned um, about a few designs you're working on uh, now but um so how do you how do you i mean we're recording this just before christmas uh, in this may come out just after christmas but um <laughs> let, let, you know so what what how, um how are you going to do you phase down over over that period of time or um is it pretty much um you know all all cylinders going on uh, uh, throughout the sort of christmas new year period we generally have from now until december the 22nd i think we're closing for christmas is pretty frantic so as i sort of mentioned the range is sort of good gifting so alongside the other sort of channels we sell through um it's sort of yeah selling on our website as gifts so this is a really busy time for us we shall be eating quality street to get through each day <laughs> <laughs> packing multiple orders and yeah sort of um 
it's I mean it's great fun yeah. but it is very busy and then we tend to shut on 22nd of December and we tend to all have around two weeks off which is lovely it gives everybody a chance to chill recalibrate mm. come back fresh in the new year so we actually sort of put a note out on our social and our website and everything to just say we are closed because in this day and age yes you're not really sort of allowed to switch off are you <laughs> but actually let's not look at our phones or yeah. think about anything but our families and the great outdoors for a couple of weeks and, and we... then we'll come back in the new year ready to go again ready to go again yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, in terms of where people can find green and blue i mean what, what sort of um you know what's your if you, it's a great plug for your website and <laughs> other social media channels if you like absolutely well so yeah our website's a great place to start and that is greenandblue.co.uk green the written word and blue.co.uk and then you can find us on instagram and twitter and facebook and LinkedIn, <laughs> um, and we're green and blue or green and blue uk on all of those and we try and i mean i said our mission was making homes havens for wildlife we've also our vision is about reconnecting people with nature yeah. so mm -hmm. on all of those channels you'll get lots of sort of bits about our product but also sharing sort of stories and inspiration and things we're learning and that sort of thing wonderful wonderful well thank you ever so much uh, Faye for, for joining us on the Ecology Academy yeah. podcast today uh, wish you all the best um, uh, uh, both you personally and also to Green and Blue and um, I shall continue to purchase your wonderful bee bricks uh, for uh, not for, uh, for basically for myself <laughs> but also uh, they do make great gifts everyone not just for Christmas <laughs> um, but, but also encouraging our um, uh, our clients as well to um, you know to adopt these within their designs as well and we'll also feed back on their use to you as well because I imagine that's going to be quite important to you too yeah absolutely great Fab. right well great so yeah thank you very so much for joining us today on the ecology academy podcast thank you very much richard lovely to chat to you if you enjoy our show and want to help then please click on the subscribe button and rate us on your favorite podcast player as that's how you can inspire ecologists in the making help retain great talent and provide insights of our industry to a much wider audience of why ecology really does matter thank you Remember, learning is a lifelong endeavour, so stay curious, be adventurous and build bridges for others to cross.